I want to say again, good morning. We are going to take a few minutes now and hear from Scripture. And so Jamie's going to lead us in Acts chapter 2. This is pretty much what we've already prayed around in this gathering, but we'll hear it again for a second time for good measure. Let's give our attention to the word of the Lord from Acts 2. A reading from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks also. Jamie uh, served on the host team for the first time this morning and also made the coffee, which I was just thinking is particularly good this morning. So uh, a trifecta for Jamie this morning. Um, We've got a couple of logistics happening, so if people are moving behind me into the storage area, just ignore them, um, and we'll uh, we'll get into this together. So we're going to talk today about house churches. And uh, house churches are a core, pivotal part of how we gather, how we do church life together. And so I want to spend some time today just resharing why we do this. What is the heart behind it? What are the hopes behind it? What are the struggles and inherent challenges involved in it? And what are some of the things we learned last year as we have now got one year of house church under our belt and we're beginning to look forward to doing it again into this second year? And so if you're new around here and you're not sure what I'm talking about, we pause our gatherings. We, we gather like this three times a, a month or I guess four times if it's a Sunday or a month with five Sundays. But most, most Sundays we're here once a month we don't show up here, and instead we show up to uh, a handful of different living rooms, houses around the area. We'll have eight different locations this year, and we gather instead in house churches. Um, These are simple, mid-size expressions of what it means to practice uh, being church together, being a church together. And so we'll get into a little bit of uh, what that looks like and why we do it, but um, that's a little bit of an unusual thing. There are certainly lots of different ways that churches break into smaller groups and mid-size expressions, but I don't know too many communities that actually say, no, we're not showing up in the corporate context for worship, we're doing this instead. And so because there are not too many examples of it, it's a little bit experimental, but it's also really important to who we are. And when people ask me why is it that we pause our services once a month, to meet in homes, the first thing that comes up for me is just the example of the early church in Acts 2, and that's what Jamie just read uh, to us from those verses in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, Josh, if you don't mind, put up the first one for me. We see this sort of cadence in the way that they did life together. The Pentecost event happens at the beginning of Acts 2. The Holy Spirit falls on a community of people, and uh, they are empowered into a new sort of life. 
And how that empowerment actually plays out practically is this. They follow a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. And so you see this rhythm, this back and forth. They are gathering sometimes all together in one giant large room. Other times they're gathering in a living room. And when I think about what it means to practice the way of Jesus together, we need both of those contexts. We need a place like this where we can gather around the word and sacrament, but we also need to show up in uh, kitchens and across dining room tables and over meals and in backyards to open up about what is happening in my life. How do I be known? How do, uh, how do I know you? How do we love one another well? And so if we follow the pattern of the early church, we see that dual mode of gathering together. And so that feels important. And then what do they do when they gather? If you go to the next one for me, we see that uh, fourfold pattern. There is the apostles' teaching. There is the community there is the shared meals, and there are the prayers. And this quote from Gary Neil Hansen, I think, is really helpful. He says, this is the earliest listing of what came to be called the marks or notes of the church. These are the characteristics beyond the confession of Jesus as Lord that identified the church as the church. If you remember, back in these early days, there was no New Testament. Uh, the, the, what they had was Jesus as Lord, and the Holy Spirit has been given at Pentecost, and then beyond that, what forms us as a community? What is the way in which we walk together? And what emerged was this, teaching, community, shared meals and prayers. This formed the way, the, the groove, the pathway that they walked together, so much so that what they became known as is not Christians, but followers of the way. And so this is what shaped the early church. And these four practices, you know, teaching, it's the guardrails on the way. It keeps us steady and growing and on track. And that's why we gather in these sorts of contexts. But then prayers, and, and they pray together, of course, but notice that the prayers word there is in plural. It's not just that they pray, it's that there are prayers. There is something liturgical and communal happening here. It's not just that I pray and I happen to sit right next to you as you pray. There are prayers we're engaging together. And so the, things like the Lord's Prayer, things like the Psalms, uh, these are ways of practicing together a shared expression, a shared communication toward God. Now, it's easy to see teaching and prayer as examples of what church should be. But then we get these middle two things. And the middle two things drag us into the heart of ordinary life, that what it looked like for them to be a church was community and shared meals. And those things uh, don't feel as religious, uh, so to speak, or as pious, and yet they are at the heart of what formed this way, community, the relationships that are marked by startling unity, by radical generosity. They start, because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they start giving of themselves and giving of their stuff away to others, and then they break bread, and this has a dual meaning. It's both the normal, ordinary meals around normal, ordinary tables, but it's also the Eucharist, the bread and the wine, and the way that Jesus shows up when we gather around a meal. And so this is what it meant to be a church. Church is not an event on Sunday. It's whenever these things show up with Jesus at the center, we have ourselves a church. And that can happen in a living room as well as in a large room. And so this is worship and friendship and food and sacrificial unity. And these are practices and prayers and potlucks. And what I love about this, where I feel encouragement with this, is that this is not beyond us. I can do this, you can do this. You read other parts of the book of Acts, and at least for me, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to you know, uh, practice miraculous healings. 
I don't know, my shadow has never fallen on someone and they've gotten well. I mean, that would be wonderful if that happened, but it's, it's not happened to me yet. But I know how to have a meal and I know how to pray. I know how to show up around, uh, you know, what's happening in my life and hear what's happening in your life. And so uh, I love the quote from Matt Skinner uh, that he says here. Um, he says, Acts 2 describes a community of faith that operates in the power of God's spirit. These are not the accomplishments of extraordinary folk. They are the signs of God's spirit working in a community of people who understand themselves as united in purpose and identity rather than being a dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. I'm gonna turn this down. Am I the only one who's really warm in here again? Uh, this was fixed like as of an hour ago, but now it feels warm in here again. Uh, okay, I wanna bring us back to that last line not a dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. When I think about the church in America, what I see so often is a dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. You know, like we, we show up and I'm doing my thing in this chair and you're doing this thing in this chair. There's something valuable there. But, but that's not ultimately the deepest example of what it means to be church. There is something in the sharing of life together and, and something that needs to uh, get involved for us to, like, we need to participate in all of this. And we can do these sorts of things and practice daily and live deeply. They become as radical and transformational as any miracle could be. They are a miracle. This causes miracles to happen in our lives. Because over the course of months and years, I start opening up my life in new ways, and you do as well, and we are changed, and Jesus slips in amongst us. And so the Jesus way makes the Jesus community and, uh, and, and eventually a whole new people start to exist. And they're marked by prayer and hospitality and generosity and compassion. And what I love about those verses that Jamie read is there is not a single reference to a single leader. You don't hear about Paul. You don't hear about Peter. You don't hear about Barnabas. What you hear about is the church, right? This is an all of us thing. Now, of course, there are leaders in the early church and they, they have important roles to play, but this is something that all of us are involved in. All right, so now I want to fast forward from the early church story and zoom in on our church, on this church, on the parish. And um, some of you have been around a long time, and you've heard this sort of thing before. Uh, others of you might be brand new here, and so we want to try to hold our collective story together. And one of the questions we ask ourselves regularly are like some discernment questions on what does it mean to be a church? And some, here are some examples. How can we be as faithful as possible to Christ and what it means to be church? And, and this is an important question, I think, for the modern church. What gaps exist between our modern expression of church and the historic witness of Christian community? And then finally, what do we all need and hunger for in this season? That one feels like the easiest one to answer. Because you look around, and there are four things that come up almost immediately for me when I think about that question and this community. And the four things are community, and maturity, and simplicity, and sustainability. And I want to just walk through those for a few minutes. First, community. Um, we live in a time, in a moment, that is marked by isolation and loneliness. And that's not breaking news to anyone. It's one of the unique challenges of what it means to live in this current cultural moment. Almost everybody I know feels lonely. Uh, almost everybody I know hungers for deeper friendship. And also, in the midst of that isolation, there is like this sense of like, I need things to hold in common with others. And that's that first part of that word, community. But we also live in a moment, it's also true that we live in a time of great division and great dehumanization. And I mean, if it feels like that now, we've got another political cycle coming right around the bend. 
and it just seems like apparent that before we know it, we're going to feel the burner turned up on things like division and dehumanization. And so we need the second part of that word, unity. What's going to hold us together? What's going to keep us united in the way of Jesus? We hunger for community. It's the question I'm most often asked. When people get involved in the church, they're first starting to learn about the parish, they say, how do I get connected? How do I get to know others? How can I be known and known others? How can I feel like I belong? And what I have learned in 20 years of doing this work is we cannot manufacture relationships. Um, <laughs> we've, I've tried that. Uh, it doesn't work. You can't manufacture or orchestrate connections. But what you can do is create contexts in which that magic can happen on its own. You can plant some seeds. You can create space to plant some seeds and then wait to see what happens. And the gift of House Church is it is a massive seedbed for community to happen much more so than this room is. This room's great, I love being here with y'all, but three good minutes is not the same thing as sharing a meal together. And so we, we create a different kind of, uh, of soil that is spacious enough for those sorts of seeds to spring up. But when we do that, it costs us something. And so it, it, you know, it's one of the things that I hear so often is like, I'm hungry for community, I'm hungry for community, but community costs us. Community requires us to show up with a deeper sort of presence. We are used to church as a place to receive what has been prepared for us, right? But we show up to something like house church, we, we open ourselves to community, and it calls for more. It requires relational trust and uh, extra grace. The embrace of people is always messy. And when I show up in a living room with you, and I start to notice that my stuff has come with me to house church, and your stuff has come with you to house church, and the collision of all of that stuff sometimes gets messy, and, and it's not a curated and catered experience, and instead personality preferences and quirks and awkwardness all comes into play, and sometimes conflicts emerge, sometimes feelings get hurt, sometimes I feel missed or other or unseen, no one noticed me, it triggers all of my stuff, right? There's a vulnerability in play when we have different sorts of church life together that doesn't always happen as much or is not as, as evident here. But my hope is that what will make this community a safe place is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of repair. That we commit to being the kind of people who name honestly, I felt missed, or name honestly, uh, hey, let's work through this thing because you hunger for this and I hunger for this. Like, how do we form the kinds of language that actually keep us united when there is a break in community? Because it's inevitable uh, if we're actually going to have any sort of sustainable life together. And so that leads us to number two, maturity. If we're going to move toward deeper community, we're going to need deeper maturity. And to me, the largest crisis in the broad American church is a lack of maturing in the way of following Jesus. Let's be honest, many of us have gone to more church services than we can count. But often we find ourselves stuck about where we were this time last year and the year before and the year before. If we're gonna hunger for something deeper, we gotta do something a little different. Right? And so uh, we, we start asking what are other ways that we can lean in. I think simply put, going to church on Sunday is not enough to make us Christ-like because Christ-likeness plays out and is most deeply formed in the context of relationships. It is easy for me to feel connected to God when it's just me in a room. But when you enter the room, now I have to tend to you as well. 
And now all the stuff about truth-telling and grace and forgiveness and reconciliation and kindness and bearing with one another, all of that comes into play. I'm going to have to speak up and to find my voice and to apologize and to give grace and to bear with one another. I'm going to have to bend around your preferences, not just always have things bent around my preference. And so the gift of house church is it stretches us beyond comfort and into the deeper dynamics of life together. And it pushes back on individualism, which is one of the great idols of modern Christianity. And it, and it causes us to remember we're not just a dispersed collection of individual churchgoers. There is a need for both my strengths and my shadow sides to come into the conversation of how Jesus is at work in my life. And so that's going to require me to be in context that I actually do not prefer as much. Uh, it's the only way those places ever actually grow. And then simplicity. Uh, it comes up in my life every day. It comes up in conversations I have all week long. I think the besetting sin of Atlanta is that we're all so busy, right? Like everybody I know, myself included, is so busy. And we're running so fast. And many of us are so tired. And we crave a spaciousness and a slowness. But when I get into that space and I'm operating on, you know, just thing after thing after thing after thing, what happens is an adrenaline addiction starts to form and I feel like I need the next hit of that. And so I, I go through life looking for the next experience, the next thing that makes me feel okay. And yet what I actually need is to unplug from all of that. And that, that feels uncomfortable. But to unplug and to slow down the pace and to calm the noise, and to move into something that is more simple and obscure and even mundane, that's one of the gifts, again, of house church. It's going to push us into ordinary time, not extraordinary time, right? Uh, there is a sense where, um, you know, we, we get accustomed to wanting to come to church to get the next spiritual high moment with Jesus, but Jesus slips in. Jesus needs to be found in the midst of ordinary life. And then finally, sustainability. I don't know if y'all have noticed, like this community is growing a lot. Um, and that's a really exciting gift. It's not something we set out to do. It's something that seems to be happening of its own accord, and that's great. And so how do we create space for that? What does sustainability look like? What does health continue to look like? And what would not be healthy or sustainable is for me or the entire staff team to try to care for everyone or try to lead everything. Eventually that becomes very ingrown, very narcissistic, very controlling. What does it look like for us to empower a whole body of Christ, a whole community of healers? When I think about the early church, what seems to have formed them most was after they got in on actually doing this stuff. Right, I think about Peter, and for three years he follows Jesus around, but then one day he has to give the Pentecost sermon. And then one day he has to start making actual practical decisions. Are we doing this, or are we doing this? Are we going this way, or are we going this way? And, and he becomes more deeply formed. It's just true to human experience that it's not in the learning of ideas that we are changed. It's when we actually start doing something ourselves, risking to try those ideas ourselves, that we actually experience change. And so our interest is in getting the Christian way lived, not just thought about. And I think House Church helps us do that. All right, so that's the why. What I want to do is spend our remaining time just talking about how we do this and, and specifically some things that we're going to emphasize this year and some things we're going to change this year. So this will be more relevant to those of you who participated in House Church last year. Um, 
We wanna to try to prioritize connection over content this year. We came into house church experimenting last year going, what, what is this thing? We don't know yet. And uh, what we found was that the, whenever we tried to create discussions or studies or things to talk about for extended periods of time, it was like, that just doesn't feel like it's working very well. It's become clear to me that house church is more about connection than content. It's more about what's happening with my hands and in my heart than what is happening in my head. So it's not a place to discuss the Christian life, but to do the Christian life, um, to put it into practice. It's not intended to replicate this worship space that we have here, or be the place where the deepest you know, realities of my heart can be shared in a few trusted relationships. It sits in that middle space. And it's a place that is intended to be a comfortable connection, whether you're brand new in the church or whether you've been around for a while. And so our format is gonna simplify this year and it's gonna have four elements to it. And the four elements are that we're going to worship and pray and practice and feast. And that's what house church is. And exactly what that looks like will be as uh, varied as each house church location is. Each house church has its own personality. It has its own way of doing this. But we wanna go through these elements. Why? Because this is the prayers and the teaching and the breaking of bread and the fellowship. And, and sometimes, you know, a group may say, well, our practice this week is going to be to pray or to feast, right? It, it's not going to follow exactly that structure, but these are the common themes, those marks, those, those notes of what it means to be church together. In most cases, this will be about 20, 25 minutes or so of practicing that way together, followed by communion and a meal. And so that's what house church will look like, but it'll be pretty simple. Most, most months will look the same. We'll sit around a particular spiritual practice every single month. I'm gonna talk about that more next week. Um, so that's the direction we're going content-wise. And then we're gonna make a few changes. Whenever you do an experiment, you learn some things that didn't work, as well as some things that worked. And so here's some things that didn't work as well or some lessons that we learned last year. First of all, the group size really matters. Um, too small and it becomes awkward. But the problem we ran into more often last year was it just got too large in a handful of locations. That felt really exciting. Look at all these people in this living room. But it was impeding community life from being formed. And so we're gonna try to get smaller. We've added more groups and our target is to have about 10 to 25 people, not 35 to 50 like we had in some locations last year. Um, that was just too large for the depth of relationship. And then kids. It's evident in some groups that uh, it, it became a real challenge to navigate uh, what do we do with the fact that half the human beings in this large room are under the age of five. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot, right? And that's a lot particularly when you're also already in the stage of life where that is your other 23 hours of the day experience, right? And so it, we're trying to hold two things in our hands here. On the one hand, it is important that our kids see us practice the, the faith together, right? I'm convinced that when our kids think back to what did my parents do in church or when they remember church, what will come up is not this place, it is house church. I'm convinced of it. They'll remember being at the basketball hoop with friends or jumping on the trampoline or seeing their parents, you know, crying as they pray about something. And they're going to take away my parents had community. And so they need to see that because one day that's going to be important to them. At the same time, boy, sometimes we just need breaks as parents, right? And particularly when you're in the trenches of the youngest years. And so what we're going to do is just create a lot more flexibility. Last year it was, hey, everybody's in the room, no matter what. Uh, this year we're going to open up a lot of options. And so each house church will have its own approach to kids. Our family ministry team will include every month 
activities for the kids to be doing. And in some cases, the kids might do it while they're sitting with the parents. In other cases, they might be off to the side with a grown-up guiding them through that, but they're still in the same room. A few of our house churches will likely create actual separate spaces where care for children is being done in a thoughtful, intentional, engaging way so that the parents can have that 20 to 25 minutes to breathe and to connect with each other and to not be on the, you know, head on the swivel thing, are my kids okay? Right? And so each house church will work through that, and one of the main things that will happen in the September gathering is talking, what is our house church going to do in this? Uh, each house church will make their own decisions. What's important is that if you are going to have the, the actual separate space, that has to be done in accordance with our child protection policies. We take it really seriously to care for kids, to keep them safe, and so there are ways in which we'll have to do that, and that, again, will cost something uh, of, the, of time and energy to do that. But, but we want to make sure this year that we create more space for that connection uh, and not impede it. And then community care. Um, we're going to pull back on the idea that we tried last year, which was every house church adopts one way of serving the wider community. Love that idea. Made a lot of sense in theory, and it's important for us to be a church that exists for the sake of others, to be outward focused, not to get stuck on only ourselves. And yet it felt like maybe too big of a job description to attach to house church in addition to all the other things house church was doing. And so it found, we found that it started to feel kind of forced and contrived, and we're trying to make something happen here. And so we're taking a big step back and saying, let's not put that pressure on house church. Let's let people connect deeply and trust that this community is actually already doing a ton of things for the sake of the wider community, and that as that begins to be shared, it will organically grow and become what it needs to, and then we'll continue to find other contexts to lean into that as a church together. Um, and then the last thing is leading in partnership. Uh, each house church is gonna have a leadership team. Last year we had someone, you know, a couple that was trying to host and lead the gathering simultaneously. So like, hey, let me do the prayers, but let me go plug the crock pot in at the same time. And that's just a lot to balance. And so this year we're going to make it a little bit easier by saying each house church will have a leadership team, both people who shepherd the house church and those who are focused on hosting, creating a welcoming space. There will be those who not only are leading the gathering, but also thinking about how do we pastor and shepherd this group of our parish community the entire month, not just on house church Sunday, but all month long so that we can form those communities within the community. All right. As we close, what I want to do is get really practical, so I'm going to invite you to take your phones out for a minute. So grab your phone, and we're going to actually walk through signing up for one of these. Sign-ups are open as of right now. And the reason we want to encourage you to sign up this week is because next week is Labor Day weekend. We know many of y'all will be uh, on the road or traveling. So what I want to invite you to do is open up your phone and go to parish.community hc. If you have trouble remembering that, you can also go to parish.community slash housechurch, but HC is a little faster. And you're going to land on a page that has a map that looks exactly like what you see on the screen. We have eight locations this year. I'm going to walk through them for a second. First of all, we have a Crabapple location. Um, this is going to be hosted uh, at the home of Jake and Maggie Philpotts, but it is not available until the month of November. So this one will be coming online, but it's not there yet. But good to know that there will be more uh, locations opening up. And then for Scythe, this is going to be hosted at the home of Mike and Jen Tamborello, and John and Sonny Williams are going to be leading those gatherings. 
Johns Creek North at the home of Kristen and Ben Shoemaker, and Mike and Beth Nelson will be involved in leading as well. Johns Creek South will be at Eric and Morgan Seidel's house, and Christiane and Jim Murphy will be involved in leading that. The Milton North group will be at the home of Catherine and Jeff Carrier, and Luke and Laura Boggs will be involved in shepherding that group as well. Milton South will be at the home of Brad and Lisa Leeper, and Andy and Lisa Goddard will be shepherding that. That's our adults-only group, and so uh, that is the one that is, is a kid-free space, so it gets to play by slightly different rules uh, for those who uh, maybe are looking for that sort of context. And then Roswell North, um, this will be at the home of Rachel and Chase Carroll, and Tyler Lloyd and Jamie Michelle uh, will be shepherding that group. And then Roswell South uh, is going to be at Britton Wren Turner's home, and Nate and Ansley Thompson will be involved in shaping that as well. So we've got eight locations. You can pick one. Now, I want to say this. When you pick one, if you're new to house church, try out one or two house churches. It's okay to date house church for a little bit, but then make a commitment uh, because that's how you actually will get known is by going back to the same community. But figure out which one's the right fit for your family. And then once you select one, you will then jump to step two, and you'll get a page that looks like this. And so it says RSVP now at the top. You're going to enter your family name, and you're going to drag that slider to be how many people in your family are attending. This is uh, hosts for you. We see you. We hear you. We want to give you a better sense of who is showing up at your home. And so last year it was like we maybe know how many families, maybe sort of. This year we're going to give you a much more accurate RSVP count. So you'll indicate how many are coming, and then you'll hit that button that says RSVP and continue to meal sign up. And from there you'll jump to the sign up genius where you can indicate what you want to bring for the shared meal together. So you've got to do that two-step process, right? You RSVP. Then you fill out the what you're going to bring for the food. Um, okay, pause and look back at me for a minute. See, this is what happens. Take out your phone, and now I've lost half of you to Instagram or whatever's happening. Um, look back at me for a second because I want to say two final things that are important logistically. Number one, please help our hosts by RSVPing. I'm going to just ask you all, don't just show up day of, unless you, listen, if like your plans change and you're in town, you didn't think you, of course, come, come. But what we're trying to do is make it easier for our hosts to know who's coming. So don't just not sign up. That will really be helpful. And then when you sign up with the meal, uh, we know some of you may be going through a circumstance or a situation or a limitation where you simply cannot provide part of the meal. And that's okay. Be at peace. You're welcome. But for those who can, Please be intentional about that. Sign up for what you're going to bring. Bring enough for the whole group to share. Sign up in advance. That's going to really help so that our hosts are not in the situation, and this happened a lot last year, where it's Saturday night and they're trying to figure out what do I need to go buy at Publix to fill in the meal. So let's, uh, let's be intentional with that. All right, as we close, let me say this. Uh, this is a chance to co-create church. Um, I said that in a leadership meeting this week, and what people heard was procreate church, and that is a different sort of thing entirely. We want to co-create church, not simply consume it. And so, house church, we show up, and we shepherd, and we host, and we pitch in, and we pray, and we cook, and we serve, and we forgive, and we feast. It's what we'll do for eternity. It's what we're going to practice in house church. Let's pray. Jesus, would you slip in amongst us as we go through these practices, as we
remember that you are found not only in the heavens, but in the ordinary things of our life. Lead us deeper. Help us to know one another. Please do form those connections. I just ask you for that right now, God, that you would form connections that are meaningful in everyone's life through this simple seedbed called House Church. Do your work in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.